Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. into the Word. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 7 through 8. I also wanted to share with respects to VBS, um, two other people, Tom Miller and Joe Gardner, did an incredible job of building the props. They're all out back. <laughs> so it's going to be absolutely amazing. So we're going to continue on our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, where we've been primarily focused in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses really 1 through 11, breaks open these nine primary gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's essentially, the way you can look at it is there's three groups of three. We, we kind of concluded last week on the group of the dynamic gifts, the power gifts, gift of faith, gifts of healing, and, and gift of miracles. And what we're going to do now is we're going to transition into the, a new set of gifts, which is called the, the discerning gifts or the revelation gifts. And these includes words of wisdom. Words of knowledge and the discerning or the, the distinguishing of spirits. Now, I wanted to really unpack all of these, but for sake of time, um, we we'll probably won't be able to do that. But the reason why I say this is because these gifts flow so, so similar. Many times there's overlap when you look in the scriptures of how they work together. Many times they're, they're simultaneously actually working together, especially with words of wisdom and knowledge. You'll see this happening. But for sake of time, I, I put the sermon of spirits on the side, and I said, Let, let's just attack words of wisdom and knowledge. But I'll be honest, we may be able to only approach words of wisdom today. Um, these, are, these are called revelation gifts because they depend on the spirit to reveal what is only known to God. So I want to look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 8. I want you to just see the context of this, and then we're going to jump into to wisdom. It says this out of the ESV. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, so the purpose of these gifts, again, it's for the common good. So when we talk about, as Paul says, to pursue love and earnestly seek the gifts, it's not so that we can say, look at me. It's not so we can say, look how God is using me. The reason we hunger and pursue the gifts is actually because they are to edify and build up those around us. Not only do they edify others, but just as we shared with the other gifts, with words of wisdom, words of knowledge, these are, these are things that the Holy Spirit works through us to extend God's kingdom, to make his kingdom known, to reveal his love and compassion for a broken and hurting world. The same thing happens with these, with these gifts as well. And so it says in verse 8, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. The utterance, the word, the message of wisdom, and the message or word of, of knowledge. The Spirit of God releases these things to aid us as we live on mission. The Spirit of God says he manifests himself through these gifts. He manifests himself through words of wisdom and words of knowledge. He makes himself known. He makes himself known that he's in this building by flowing through divine wisdom and divine knowledge. So I want to start with biblical wisdom and if we have time, we'll look at words of knowledge. I, I think you're going to be greatly stirred, though, in this, as the Lord was stirring my heart. Um, what I want to do before we just address words of wisdom is I want us to actually just talk about biblical wisdom for a second. Because what I want to do is I want to provoke hunger in you for wisdom. And in doing that, I want to provoke a hunger in you to be open to words of wisdom flowing through you. 
It's a beautiful thing of how God wants to work through us by the Spirit in this way. And here's, here's where I'll start. In the book of Revelation, in the first chapter, the apostle John is exiled on the island of Patmos. Some of you are familiar with this. The entire book of Revelation really comes through this encounter that John has with the resurrected, exalted, glorified Christ while he's exiled on Patmos. And in the very first chapter, when John's here and he encounters Jesus, he begins to record the very things that he witnesses about Jesus' portrait, what he looks like. Have you guys ever read this? It's quite fascinating. He says things like this. I love it. It gets me fired up. He says that he wears this, this robe and this, and this, uh, this sash that goes across. It's, it's the garments of a priest. He says when he sees the glorified Christ, he's in priestly garments. He's the true high priest. It says when he saw him, his eyes were like fire. He's burning eyes in the eyes of the glorified Christ. It says that when he speaks, his voice is like many rushing waters. It says his feet are like bronze that have been refined in the furnace. Man, I read this, I'm like, yes, the glorified Christ. It says that he holds the seven stars in, in his right hand, which probably means either they said angels or church leaders, but it just shows that he's sovereign. It actually says that his face shines like the midday sun when it's at its strongest. It speaks to his brilliance, his majesty, his glory. And so you have this setup here where as John sees Jesus, he's just listing these traits that are just like, yes, he's powerful, he's, he's, he's glorious, he's brilliant, he's majestic. And then there's one thing that he says that I say, huh? <laughs> what does that mean? And he says, and his hair <laughs> is as white as wool. It's like snow. And I said, what in the world does that mean? The picture I have is, so you have this powerful, glorious Jesus, and then it says, and his hair is as white as wool like snow. And I'm thinking, is Jesus returning as an old man? A frail old man? I mean, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. You see, you have to understand what this actually means about Jesus. The problem is, is there's a cultural gap. Because when we think of white hair, now everyone that has gray hair, you better lean in, you're going to be encouraged. <laughs> When we think of white hair, we think of aging, and we immediately associate it with fading powers that are necessary for living a, a life worth living. When we think of someone as white hair, we think of aging, therefore we think they are irrelevant. That is a completely different picture in the biblical culture. Those things, those, those signs of losing sense of, of, of mind or thought process or strength in your body, that's actually not how it's supposed to be. Those are all signs and things of the fall. So Jesus doesn't have any of that. He does hold what is the good thing about maturing. You see, in the biblical culture, they place such an emphasis on maturity because maturity meant wisdom. Listen to this scripture right here. I love this. Proverbs 16.31. It says, gray hair is a crown of splendor. There's many scriptures that actually share this. In other words, this is, this, this is what I want to share. In the biblical culture... Gray hair was a sign, white hair was a sign of one who had much maturity and therefore one who had much wisdom. So when Jesus returns as the one whose hair is as white as wool, it's not saying he's returning as a frail old man. In fact, he comes with power and glory and he comes with all wisdom. This is why we can entrust our lives to him, one of the many reasons. Wherever you find yourself right now, 
Colossians 2.3 says that, listen to this, Colossians 2.3, in him are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, listen, we can, we can submit our lives to Christ because in him is all wisdom. The reason why our lives get out of control is because we're not living according to Christ. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 1.30 that Jesus Christ literally is our wisdom. And so I just want to stop there for a moment and just say, if your life feels like it's out of control, I can tell you this. Submit yourself to Christ, the one who has all wisdom. And so the scriptures say that in Christ is hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And you know what I love? It says that the Holy Spirit, in John 16, verses 13 through 15, it says that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that he, he reveals Christ to us. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to search out the depths of the treasures of wisdom in Christ and then reveal them to you so that we can live according to this wisdom. So, so important that we understand. Now, here's one of the misunderstandings with wisdom. Not only do we, do we uh, associate getting older with, with all of the wrong things, right? We, we try as best we can to avoid showing the signs of aging. But actually, there's something so, so valuable in someone that has wisdom through experience. But here's the other thing. Biblical wisdom is very different than what we usually think of. We typically think of wisdom in the sense of the acquiring of knowledge. We typically think of it as, as filling our mind with more information. But actually, biblical wisdom is about applied knowledge. It's actually about living out according to the truth of God. It's not just about getting smarter. It's not just about a mental activity. It's not just about having good advice, although there's aspects of it. It's not just about having right answers to problems. Biblical wisdom is actually something, I want you to see this, because when words of wisdom start coming, you're going to see the tangible impact it has on our lives. True biblical wisdom is actually something practical that should lead us into knowing how to live rightly before God. Wisdom actually brings us into a lifestyle that is in alignment with God, and as a result, it begins to prosper. And as a result, God is honored. And as a result, people begin to say, who is this God that you serve? Because your life is working and my life is not. You see this throughout the scriptures that attest to this very point. You see, words of wisdom, when they start flowing, they're not just simply to make us smarter or to give us more, more principles. Words of wisdom are actually meant to lead to have a tangible impact upon our life that when we hear them, we apply them, and we actually begin to see the beautiful results of living according to God's truth. Are you following me? So words of wisdom are actually an invitation from God to learn from him and then live accordingly to the way that, he, that he's laying out for us. When a word of wisdom comes forth, it's actually God is saying, here, do it this way, and when you do, it will work. And as a result, I will be glorified through this. It's, it's for this very reason that when you look in some of the uh, wisdom books of the Old Testament, in particular you see Job, Ecclesiastes, and especially with Proverbs. When you read the book of Proverbs, it's fascinating. The whole book is centered on wisdom, and the, and the whole entire purpose is it's saying, if you not just know these things about God, but if you actually apply these things, if you allow these things to touch your life and then you actually submit and surrender and follow them, you will see a tangible change in your life. 
generally speaking, of course, there's things that, that are just unknowns, but generally speaking, what it really says is allow the, the truths about God to touch your life, come into alignment with it, and you will have a prosperous life. It's not speaking about cheap, unbiblical, shallow prosperity. It's talking about true biblical prosperity. Your families will begin to flourish. Your marriages will begin to really look like Christ in the church. You will operate with integrity, financial integrity, sexual integrity. You will uphold justice. You will look out for the poor. You will have a generous heart. When you allow wisdom to flow and touch your life and actually apply it, the result is our lives. We, we see the kingdom of heaven here. And as a result, it, it, it's, it's prosperous and blessed, and it actually testifies to the world of the goodness of God. It's for this reason that in Proverbs 8.11, the scripture says this, For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Why do we need to hear this? We think the acquiring of jewels and, wisdom and, and money and finances will give us the very thing that we're looking for. We think it will lead to a prosperous life, but we know the testimonies that share of those who have acquired those very things and still feel dissatisfied and empty. And so the scriptures say, don't get money, get wisdom. Wisdom is actually what leads to a life that prospers. I want to set the stage here so we understand how valuable wisdom is and we hunger and thirst for words of wisdom to come forth because we need God's wisdom to live according to his ways. I can tell you this, that a, a prosperous church is not one that simply has many resources in their bank. It's a church that puts aside pride and has enough humility to say, we don't know what the heck we're doing. <laughs> Let's just be honest. We don't know how to actually impact the community. We don't know actually which way to go, God. We don't know how you want to do things. So, God, we humble ourselves and we cry out, Lord, send wisdom that we may know actually how to have a real impact in this area. We need your wisdom, Lord. Listen, I, I want to share this scripture. Many of you are probably familiar with Solomon, right? Yes. King Solomon. King Solomon is regarded as the wisest man to ever walk this earth outside of Jesus Christ himself. And one, what happened was as Solomon came into to, uh, kingship after his son David, and Solomon was well aware that he was ill-equipped to lead these people. And so the Lord said, ask for whatever you want. And he asked for wisdom, and God said, this is a good thing you've asked for, so that you know actually how to, how to administer justice to your people. And so as a result, what happened? Solomon just wasn't filled with good answers. The kingdom was so prosperous under the rule of Solomon. And there was a queen by the name of Sheba who came and traveled all the way from her kingdom to see because she heard of these stories of the kingdom of Solomon and how prosperous it was. And when she came, she asked all of these questions. And she said Solomon gave her all the answers she was looking for, and she was stunned. But what I love is that the scriptures never tell us the questions that she asked. It never tells us the answers that, she, that he gave. Because I believe God is trying to show that wisdom is not just about having good advice and right answers. This is what it does say, though, when she comes to his kingdom. She says this in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 4 through 7. It says, when the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, it wasn't about hearing. She saw wisdom. Look, verse 5, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, 
the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. You see, I believe God's silence is actually speaking a strong word because he's emphasizing something. He's emphasizing how wisdom transformed the most mundane things when they touched it. She wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the answers that she received. When she looked around and saw, oh my goodness, look how the servants operate. Look how the food is laid out on the table. Look how the cupbearers work. Look how everything operates around here. She was overwhelmed at the sight of the order and excellence and the creativity that was taking place. She saw the tangible touch of wisdom upon this king and his, and his kingdom. And in the end, it says that she honored God. In the end, she actually said that she, she gave praise to Yahweh when she saw what was taking place in Solomon's kingdom. I want to I just emphasize that point, that when we're talking about words of wisdom flowing, that we're not just talking again about having, having good advice for one another. We're talking about the truth of God being released, the wisdom of God being released, that as we apply it to our lives, we will actually see the kingdom of God operating here. Queen, Queen Sheba, it's probably said that her wealth was probably not that far away from Solomon. Not enough to be blown away by all the riches he had. What blew her away was how everything operated. She could see the presence of God and wisdom of God touching this area. So let me, let me, let me share this as we just talk about two areas of words of wisdom. The gift itself of word of wisdom, it's not just wisdom, as the gift is not just knowledge, it's a word of wisdom. So what happens is, is that in specific situations, God will supernaturally give you supernatural wisdom to speak into a situation in order to give directions, guidance, and to bring us into alignment so that we're doing things in accordance to God's will. And the beauty is, is that this gift, it's actually not contingent on your IQ. It has nothing to do with how wise you think you are or how unwise you think you are. Paul actually said in the beginning of this letter to the, to the Corinthians in chapter 1, uh, verse 26, he actually says, by worldly standards, you guys are pretty unwise. <laughs> He says, you actually, he says, you actually are, don't really have much influence, and you are, have not been born of noble birth. And yet the Spirit of God was moving mightily through this, through this church and through this body. And so be encouraged that God can work through any one of us. This isn't something that you can learn. This is, this is just a heart that is open and hungry and recognizes its insufficiency to do the right thing without God moving, the Spirit of God moving. So there's two ways that I see words of wisdom primarily flowing, and I'm going to give some examples, and then uh, and we'll probably just stay in words of wisdom today. I'll give some testimonies both in the Bible and just everyday examples of this. There's two examples I see words of wisdom flowing. One is, is again, in the context of just life situations where in that moment, the Holy Spirit gives a supernatural wisdom on how to handle a situation. And then the other realm is I see it primarily used in the context of communicating the Word of God. And we're going to look at that as well. So let's start with just everyday life, facing situations of how we see this in the scriptures and even in common day examples of how God releases words of wisdom and the impact that they have. The, the, probably the, the most popular one is with respects to King Solomon and an issue that he had with two women. Many of you are probably familiar with this story, but there were two women who had children 
And what happened was they were the only, it was only these women and their children in the house. And they went to bed and the children were laying next to the mother. And one of the women actually rolled over onto her child and the child died in the middle of the night. And so what she did was is she went over to the other bed, took the other child that was alive, swapped it out. So when the one woman woke up, she saw her child dead but said, this is not my child. And there was an argument because the other woman said, no, 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 that is your child. So they go before King Solomon. He hears this whole story. And King Solomon responds. Again, there was just profound wisdom upon his life. He says, I tell you what, give me a sword. We'll cut the baby in half, and we'll each give you half of the baby. And the one woman falls on her knees and cries out and says, no, then just give the child to the other woman. The other woman says, good, if I can't have all of them, either can she. And Solomon says, the first mother, the first woman is the mother. That woman who is willing to give her child away so, so that he could live. Profound wisdom that Solomon had. There's, uh, in the book of Acts, when the uh, church is growing and the, uh, there's new issues and challenges arising to, go to really governing this increase, and there was issues between the, uh, some Jewish women and Greek women with regards to the distribution of receiving food. They were widows. And they were coming to the apostles, and there was all this arguing. The apostles realized, man, if we take care of these things, we'll never be able to stick to what God has called us primarily, which is praying and, and reading the word and, and, and keeping this, this movement moving forward. So God gave them a word of wisdom. They instructed and, and appointed seven leaders to serve in the church, including Stephen. And what's amazing is every time you see the tangible impact is that when they did this, it says that the word of God continued to spread and that the number of disciples increased greatly. See, as a church, we need words of wisdom to flow again with, with how our strategy of how we're going to impact this community. We, we, need, we need God's wisdom as to how we can touch the school districts and how we can attack certain things. Naturally, we may say this makes sense, but sometimes God's ways are so different, and we need to hunger for words of wisdom to flow in this body so we know how to do it his way, and his way, his way always prospers. We need wisdom in our workplace. <laughs> How many know that? Do you know that, do you know that in, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery, raised up to the right hand of Pharaoh? He was essentially a government official in Egypt. How many of you know that we need wisdom in our government? There's issues that we're facing that they are looking for godly men and women to rise up who have the wisdom of God and can give solutions to issues that we cannot figure out. And so Joseph, while he was, in, while he was serving as the right hand of, of, of Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh had a dream, which only Joseph could interpret. Actually, it's a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom that he had. He had a word of knowledge that this dream meant that a famine was coming. But then he had a word of wisdom as to how to handle this famine. And it says he, they applied into the very things that Joseph said. And guess what? They had food for when the famine came. And people could come. And people, and this nation was prospering, and other people could come off and feed off of this. And as a result, people began to praise God for what he was doing. A word of wisdom that led to the kingdom of God being put on display, brought honor to God, and ultimately brought people to recognize who he is. We need words of wisdom as parents. How I many you know that with kids? I was, I was reading this testimony that was just, just incredible. It was a woman that works closely with Dr. Randy Clark. And uh, just, just, just a normal thing that probably parents will face is she came home, this, this wife, this uh, mother came home, and when she came home, she went on her TV screen, and she, uh, uh, excuse me, she went on her computer screen, and when she logged in, she saw a picture of a naked woman there, and so she knew that her son was watching porn, so she sat down with him, talked to him, 
And, uh, and he said, yeah, I have been. Actually, I've been struggling with this for a long time. So she was so torn because she knew that if she came against him pretty strongly that he probably wouldn't say, would never, you know, confess of anything again. Yet at the same time, she wanted to handle this the right way. So that night, she went on her knees before the Lord and said, God, I need a word of wisdom. How do I handle this? And so the next day, uh, when she was getting together with her son and her son was just expecting the worst, she said, look, this is what I want you to do. This is what the Lord has told me to do. I want you to get out a paper and pen and sit at the dining room table, and I want you to imagine the life story of that woman that you looked at. And I want you to imagine what her family's like. And I want you to write down what do you think her parents are like. Does she have siblings? And then I want you to write what you, what you think they think about the lifestyle she's chosen. And then I want you to write especially about what you think happened in her life to get her to bring her to such a place that she's lost all dignity that she would be able to show herself like this to strangers. And what happened was as this man was writing these things, the Spirit of God was breaking his heart because he was no longer seeing her as an object but as a person. And in that, man, it set him free. And it delivered him from this thing of pornography. That's a word of wisdom that we need as parents. We need to cry out say, God, give us wisdom when we face hard situations. The Pharisees tried to trap Jesus by, with a question about taxes. And again, Jesus had a profound response where he took a coin and uh, they asked him, should we, give, should we give pay taxes to Caesar? And he said, give me the coin. He says, whose face on this coin? And they said, it's Caesar. And he said, well, then give to Caesar what's due to Caesar and give to God what's due to God. It says they were amazed. They couldn't ask any more questions after this. It's a word of wisdom. Randy Clark, actually, Dr. Randy Clark had a similar example of this. He was going to teach in a, a, a Bible college in the South. He didn't give the name. And he said he went to a classroom, and he was actually going there to teach on the revival that took place when he was in Toronto. And so he didn't realize that when he went in there, there was one student in particular who really uh, was just, just not a fan of Randy Clark. And so as he started to teach, the student stood up and says, how do you know that renewal, that revival is really God and not something else? And he didn't realize that this was just meant to be the first question of many to come to just crush him. <laughs> and he said, normally he has a typical response, but something in that moment said, it, it depends on the wife. And he said, what? And, and Randy Clark started to, to talk, and the Holy Spirit was just giving him this, this revelation on the spot, how all these men in church history a lot of their openness to the Spirit of God was actually a result of their wives. And he said particularly Jonathan Edwards, who was so open to the Spirit of God because of how his wife was being deeply touched. And what Randy Clark didn't know is that this man fiercely opposed it, but his wife was being deeply touched by the Holy Spirit at the time. And so after that, he got silent and just stood there and listened. That's a word of wisdom that takes place. All right, the last thing I want to share with you is on the other side is in the teaching of Scripture. Words of wisdom will flow as we're sharing the word of God and communicating the gospel. We see this especially in the life of Jesus. We see it in the book of Acts, how, you know, they would just break open the word in such a way that it had a profound wisdom. I want to share this. This is very important. That in this body, or I should say in your life, if you desire to communicate the word of God, which every single one of us has that call to do that, if that is your, if you understand that, you should be hungering and desiring for words of wisdom. We, we need words of wisdom flowing when the word of God is being taught. We need to pray that from this pulpit, words of wisdom are flowing. We need to pray that as small groups start, words of wisdom. We need to pray that in every avenue in this church, that where there's a teaching platform, 
or just in one-on-one conversation that as we're sharing the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is releasing words of wisdom that's giving us incredible insight and revelation to the word. As you are on the streets witnessing to people and sharing the good news, you need to pray that God will give you words of wisdom to teach on certain scriptures or unpack certain scriptures that are so personal to a person's life. Are you following me how important this is? Paul said he was so insistent and adamant that he would not teach according to human wisdom. He actually said it would empty the cross of its power. Listen to the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. I'll put it up on the screen. Paul says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, <clears throat> what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, <clears throat> the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So Paul starts by sharing this about human wisdom and godly wisdom. And Paul begins by saying, what no human sense could ever understand. He says, the spirit of God is revealing these very things to us. He says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by the spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. You have to understand this, man. This, this Holy Spirit is literally saying it's plunging the depths of the Godhead and bringing out and drawing out the rich treasures of wisdom and knowledge that is found in God and then bringing them to light in our hearts. And Paul is saying, man, we have to, this is, this is the Spirit of God. This is what he's revealed to us. No, no human strength could ever receive these things or understand these things. Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Paul uses very similar language in Ephesians 1, 17 to 18. He says that we need to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to give us knowledge of God. And then he says this, and that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. So this is what it looks like in the context of, of words of wisdom flowing and teaching the word. The spirit of God which searches the things and, and plunges the depths of the Godhead that we could never receive on our own, searches these things out, makes them known to us, then enlightens our hearts so that we have understanding, and then from that place, we begin to proclaim that. This deep understanding of the Word of God. I can tell you this, that I'm in seminary, and I love it, and God is used it in so many ways, but... What I could, man, it, it, I could spend four years in seminary, and there are things that I could never crack open to you that the Holy Spirit with a, with a word of wisdom could do in a moment. You need to hunger as you're praying. If you desire especially to, in any way to communicate the word of God in a formal way, you need to hunger for words of wisdom as you're studying and preparing to teach. And this is the last thing I'll share with you. And this was really important that the Lord had highlighted to me. The potential danger with words of wisdom is, as I shared before, it, it's so important that there's application. And one of the potential dangers is that we could be praying and crying out for God to have words of wisdom flowing from this pulpit, to have words of wisdom flowing from the small groups in every area of this church. And one of the dangers is, is that there's profound revelation that's coming forth. There is literally things that only the Spirit of God could search out from the deep things of the Godhead. He's making it known. We're saying, oh, my goodness, and then we don't apply it. I want you in these last five minutes, and then we'll pray. I want you to lean on this. 
Some ask, why doesn't Jesus or God make things more known or more clear? Why sometimes he doesn't just give visible signs all the time? Jesus kind of gives us an answer to this. Jesus says that, Jesus, Jesus said about himself that, about a parables and why he teaches in parables. Do you guys remember this story? He taught a parable of the, the parable of the sower and the seed that went out on the soil. And his disciples afterwards says, Jesus, why, why do you teach in parables? And essentially what Jesus says is, parables have this unique ability that those that are hungry, it gives even deeper understanding. He says, but those who are complacent, those who are really aren't searching, those whose hearts aren't opened, they actually don't have any understanding at all. And at first sight, you say, why in the world would God do that? I thought he's a good God. Why would he reveal truth that's necessary to set free? You'll understand this if you realize that revelation brings responsibility. And so if you're not really hungry and you're not really seeking, if you receive profound revelation, you have a responsibility to live that out and apply it. So if we have words of wisdom flowing in here, we're saying, oh my goodness, the treasures of Christ are being cracked open all through this place. This is amazing. We now have a responsibility to apply this to our lives and to live this out. Revelation without experience can actually rob us of understanding. Listen, this is so important. I feel like this was a really important word for our church right here. If I can, I can the Holy Spirit can give me a word of wisdom and teach me something profound about God's provision. But it's when I actually experience God as provider where I come into a greater understanding of that truth. You see, if we just have principles up here, but we don't actually step out to apply it, we miss the experience aspect, and we actually miss a full understanding of the truth of God. This is what it says in Matthew 13, 19, that same parable at the end. Jesus explains it, and he says this. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. We think understanding is cognitive reasoning. Eastern culture, biblical culture, understanding always came through application and doing. So when the kingdom of God was being preached, if they weren't taking what they received and applying it in order to come into full understanding of that truth, you actually give an opportunity for the enemy to take what was there and snatch it away so you have no understanding at all. We can't have words going forth every week and hearing things from people ministering to each other. And man, wisdom is flowing, and then we take that and don't do anything with it. We actually give an opportunity for the enemy to come and say, take that. And now we don't have any understanding of what we had before. For example, if I teach on generosity, and man, it's the Spirit of God moves. The wisdom of God is here. It's moving hearts to such a point where we are just broken by God's goodness, his generosity. We say, oh my goodness, I want to just lay down my life for others. <laughs> But if in the next two to three weeks, we don't step out and do an act of generosity and do that, we actually miss the full understanding. And here's the scary part, is that it still sits right up here. And it's in our mind, so we think it's active in our life. Therefore, the next time someone comes and preaches on generosity, we say, amen. I hope someone else is listening to this right now. Amen. I hope someone else is getting this. Because we think, because it's up here, that it's actually a part of our life being lived out. But it's not. We've actually seared our conscience, and we're actually thinking we're following this, but we're not. So when wisdom flows, and we receive this revelation, we have to apply it in our lives. Hearing without doing can actually lock us into a place where we have form without power. And I really feel, 
what God was showing me in my life, and maybe you can apply this to your own life, is that I have found myself stuck in that rut where I have got, the Holy Spirit is revealing profound things about the scriptures. And I'm not talking about, he's not adding to the truth. He's not contradicting the truth. He's, he's exposing the depth and height of, the, of what the scriptures already prove, okay? And as he's doing, I mean, sometimes that can feel like it's something you've never read before because it's so good. You're like, oh my goodness, that's what that means? That's so rich. And so when he does that, I've had the Holy Spirit reveal these things, but then I've been stuck in a rut of having revelation without application. And what's happened is I haven't experienced the blessings that are talked about when wisdom is really being lived out. And so my heart has turned bitter and angry towards God, saying I'm doing all the right things that I'm supposed to do. And I feel the Lord had to show me even this week to say, no, you know all these things, but you're actually not doing them. And so we have to enter into a place where when these things flow, we're allowing to apply in our life. I'm just going to ask Brittany to come up on the keys. Because here's, here's what I want, you to, I want you to hear this. When we go back to the life of Solomon, think about the tragedy of Solomon's life. King Solomon had all of the wisdom. There's no one like King Solomon outside of Christ. No one had wisdom like him. And here's a man who had profound wisdom, and guess what? One of the greatest tragedies is that he knew all of these things he knew the deep things about God. The deep things are, it's the will of God, the attributes of God, the plans of God. Solomon had such an insight into these things, and guess what? He didn't apply it to his own life. And at the end of the day, one of the greatest tragedies I can think of in the scripture is a man that had such wisdom but didn't apply it in his own life, and as a result, his whole life fell apart, and all of those that were under him. He had, he had wisdom without integrity. So look, as, as God is moving in this place week in and week out and words of wisdom are flowing and the knowledge of God I mean, and, you know, the treasures of wisdom are being released in this place, we need to make sure that when we receive these things, we apply it so we have full understanding. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.